Hello and welcome to the MS for Mama podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halverstadt, happy wife, mama to 10, Bible-believing Christian. And on today's show, I have a really great guest for you. But before we get started, I want to remind you about our podcast sponsor, Milk and Honey Jewelry. It is a very special kind of jewelry, beautiful heirloom, pass it along to your kids jewelry that helps you remember the time that you spent feeding your little one, either with breast milk or formula. You simply send your breast milk or formula and they turn it into a beautiful stone in your jewelry and send it right back to you. Super easy. You can use the code ABBY15, A-B-B-I-E 15, for 15% off your order at milkandhoney.jewelry. All right, so we have a guest with us today. You probably recognize her from Get Mom Strong or her podcast, Off the Bench, with Heidi St. John. And she's going to talk to us about a variety of topics, but one of them is about not momming alone and being willing to accept help, which I think is something that many of us struggle with and need encouragement in. So I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say. Well, hey, Heidi, it is so fun to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. Hey, Abby, thanks for having me. I have been looking forward to this, so I'm really excited. We finally get to make it happen. I'm so glad. So tell us, for our readers that don't know, many of you, I'm sure, do recognize the name Heidi St. John. You've read her books. You've listened to her podcast. It's Off the Bench is what it's called. Is that right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, appreciated her encouragement at homeschool conferences and all the places that she speaks. But just in your own words, give us kind of a little nutshell of who you are. Um, I am a woman of, of passion. I think the thing I'm most passionate about is probably my my husband and our children. I'm a grandmother now. We have our fifth grandbaby on the way, going to be here in August. So I'm excited about that. We have seven children, and uh, I've been homeschooling now for, I don't know, 27, 28. I'm 187 years old in homeschooling. I did the math <laughs> the other day. So 187 in homeschooling. I never ever thought to do it that way. That's yeah. brilliant. I oh, sister, there's way. a formula. I'll send it to you and then you can okay. decide how many okay. years old you are in okay. homeschooling. But I am 187 in homeschooling and uh, I just have a passion for truth. I think that's probably what most women would say has defined my ministry for all of these years. I, a long, long time ago, I started talking about things that I saw that were not healthy in the homeschool movement. Um, you know, just relation, most of the relationship dynamics and things like that, that I started talking about. So long before, you know, the emotion, anybody was talking about emotional IQ, I was doing it and I just have a passion for truth. And I think that has what, that is what has propelled me to uh, start a women's Bible study. We have a couple thousand women that um, study God's word with me every month over at the faith that speaks community. I love, I love to ask these women, if your faith found its voice, what would God have you say? Cause we're not here just to sit around, you know, and, and poke our head in the sand, you know, we're here on assignment. And so we, we need to figure out what is that assignment? So that's my passion. I love teaching women. I love teaching the Bible. I just released my 10th book and the, my first with brave at my 10th book. And I, I'm just, uh, yeah, yeah we'll talk passion about girl. It's passion. Right here. Yes, it is. And I <laughs> share many of those same passions. Um, which is why we're going to be friends forever. I can tell. That's right. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit before we ever get into book or anything else about this concept that you're addressing of being a woman of passion, because it can look so different for yeah. every different Christian woman, depending on how the Lord has called her, whether he's called her to be a mom, whether he's called her to um, bring in income while being a mom or focus primarily and exclusively at home, whether he's called her to be overseas or to, I mean, you, you ran for government last, mm -hmm. year, last year, whether he's called her to kind of, um, go into policy and 
fearfully and carefully <laughs> hold that responsibility. I mean, that's gotta be scary to put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, even on the internet, it's scary, but to, man, government is a whole other level. What age do you think that you started doing more of kind of this more public leading of women? Um, you know, I, I think I've always been a leader. It's funny. This is, I think, part of my passion for homeschooling also. I looked back. This was a long, long time ago, but I found my old report card. So, like, I'm in the, you know, in the 70s, right, in this really little Christian school in Portland, Oregon, and my mom had a stash of my report cards. And I, I was reading them, like, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And the backs of these report cards, different teachers, different years, I always said the same thing. Heidi's a really great kid, but she talks too much. I had to separate <laughs> Heidi from her friend Sharon. And Sharon has to sit over now on the east side of the classroom. And Heidi's, Heidi talks too much. And, uh, you know, I was in fourth grade. Heidi Heidi's a great, great student, but she really, she has to stop passing notes in class. You know, no <laughs> one ever said to me, maybe you're a teacher. Have you ever considered that you might be a teacher, you might be a leader, maybe God's wired you that way? I was, I became a teacher and a speaker quite by accident when my husband and I were serving as the president of the state organization for homeschooling in Washington state, probably 20 years ago, and a speaker didn't show up. And they were like, oh, well, you guys are in charge of the organization, so you need to take the session. I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm the name tag girl. I don't want to take a session. I've got, you know, four little babies. I don't have time. And my husband convinced me to try it. And uh, it, I noticed later on, I don't think at the time I was too nervous, but there, God's given me a gift in this area. It's a gift of communication. Mm. And I, I love to, I love to encourage women. I love to see that light bulb moment. It's the same reason I love homeschooling with my kids, even when I didn't love it. Uh, yeah. I just, it's the light bulb moment. And I've always been kind of in leadership. So when I was in high school, I was a senior class president. You know, I just, I ran for things that were, you know, maybe other people wouldn't do. And I do a lot of things afraid. People assume, I think that I'm not afraid, but I do a lot of things afraid. And my grandma used to tell me, you can do anything, Heidi, just do it afraid. Like yeah. the question becomes, one of obedience. And so I think you're absolutely right. You know, we're not all called to the same things. We don't all have the same gifts, but if the Bible teaches us that we're to love the Lord, our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, I think that translates into passion. I think that is passion and we can love the Lord, our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength while we're washing dishes while we're breastfeeding babies, while we're teaching yeah. prepositions for the four millionth time. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to put everything we have into it. And I have really kind of devoted my life to doing that. So I only have one one uh, homeschooler left at home now. All of our kids have graduated except for our 13-year-old daughter. And uh, I'm I'm kind of at this this phase of my life now where I'm looking back and I'm realizing all these years that I spent raising children, I was really raising parents for my grandchildren. Mm. And that is a, I think that is something I hope that other women hear sooner than I did to recognize, hey, what I'm doing is going to have a generational impact because now mm. my kids are training their kids in righteousness. Yeah. And that's, that's the power, right? So that's the power behind, a, you know, a godly legacy. So I, you know, I came from a very, very broken home. If people have read any of my books, they know. Uh, I grew up in a, in a very unhappy, unhealthy environment. And my story is really a story of healing and a story of, of victory. You know, God gave Heidi St. John, a girl who can't keep houseplants alive and was uh, pretty messed up at the age of 19 when my husband and I got married. 
if if God can do it in my life, he can do it in anyone's life. So it's just something I love, I love to do. I love the combination of humility and recognizing that I'm kind of the least of these. Like this yeah. is not something that God gave to someone who was so worthy and so like just already good at it. And gosh, I was, you know, getting praised for being so well-spoken. No, you were, you were being told to be quiet, you know, and yet Shut at the up. Same time, <laughs> at the, exactly. At the same time, you're combining with that, with an acknowledgement of the gifts that God has given you. And I think there can be some false humility within the Christian world, especially among women that we are not to acknowledge the things that God has made us good at. I was actually just talking mm. about this on my Instagram and there's this, um, there's this moment in the movie Char Chariots of Fire and I don't think it ever really happened. It's probably just a movie moment, but where <laughs> Eric Little's sister is criticizing him for training too much when he's taking his time away from preaching. He is also preaching. He is also devoting himself to the Lord, but he's running because he's training for the Olympics and you know, she said, you're so distracted and you're so divided. And he said, Jenny, I know that God made me for a purpose and it was to glorify him, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Oh, and man. even if that gives me goosebumps, actually, I love that line. I, know, I, I think know. it's true. I choose yeah. to believe it's true. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to hope that, that that came from like, at least the <laughs> essence of who Eric Little was, even if he never uttered yeah. the words, but, yeah. but it's, it's a, it's a truth coming from that actor's mouth, if nothing else that God made us to glorify him. I think it's Colossians 3.23. I'm hoping I'm not messing that up, but that's the one of whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever it is you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it yeah. as unto the Lord. And yeah. I think we can hold ourselves back from some of the, doing some of those things afraid. I think it's Elizabeth Elliot who has a quote that's very similar to that. Um, sometimes the fear does not subside and one must simply do it afraid. It's something that's very it. close to that. Yeah. And yeah. we expect that the Lord will call us to something and he will provide us with the courage ahead of time. And often we are walking through the middle of the waters and we're scared while we're doing it. And maybe we don't feel any courage. So we get to the other side and the Egyptians yep. are vanquished, you know? Yeah. And so I really appreciate your encouraging women that the Lord has called you to do everything as done to him. And that even some of those things that we needed to mature in and needed to rein in some can be used for his glory. Yeah. And it's joy, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's a joyful thing. I just did a, a podcast the other day on the empty nest. Cause I'm definitely feeling, I'm feeling very empty nesty. <laughs> like mm -hmm. most of my kids now are gone and the ones that are home are mostly grown. So I don't, you know, they come and go kind of at yeah. odd hours of the day and night. And I'm, I'm realizing as I'm getting older, how important it was that God gave me something besides mothering mm. to focus my attention on. And I think it's a really important thing for young moms, especially to really wrap their heads and their hearts around. And it was something that uh, my, my friend, Steve Lambert, who's kind of like an adopted dad to me, he said he had encouraged his wife when her, when their kids entered junior high, find something else that you love to do. And of course that inspired Jane and she wrote five in a row, which is a curriculum, you know, millions of kids have used that curriculum, but it was at her husband's uh, leading to say, you know what, these kids are going to be gone before you know it. And you need to have something that you're doing so that when they leave your house, which is so typical for homeschool moms, I mean, it, it feels like you're going to die from it, right? Mm. Because you pour your life into these children and then all of a sudden they start to do the thing that you've prayed that they would do, that you want them to do. And they begin yeah. to, you know, stretch their wings and fly. And I really am having even more so as I'm, I'm you know, in my mid fifties now, really trying to encourage these moms in, in their early 40s to say, now is a really good time. What else do you like to do? Do you have a gift for speaking? Do you like art? You know, Are there places you can volunteer, something that you want, a skill that you want to do so that when your last child leaves, 
or even when the first ones begin to leave, you don't sort of stumble and falter and cry uh, into the next season, but you can move into it with a little bit more grace, even though it hurts. I think it hurts no matter what. Yeah. Uh, the changing of that season is hard, but having that passion and something else that you do makes it easier. And that's certainly been the case in my life. I know that uh, God has used the things that he's given me and my husband to do to help ease the transition from full-time homeschool mom to, oh, hey, look, I have grandkids. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that, that's a perfect segue because I was going to ask you about the flip side, which is we see a whole movement within the grandmother age of, I put my time in, it's yeah. my time now. Oh, like, I, I hate I that. I did my time with my kids. I raised you so you could raise your own kids. You're kind of on your own and I'm going to go pursue my passions. We've been talking about passions and they can be very positive things, but we know in James that there's double-minded men and they have passions, but they're tossed to and fro by their passions, by their worldly passions. And so can you speak a little bit because you have grandchildren and you're in this stage to balancing what I think you're saying, which is really healthy of not making an idol of our children to the point that when they no longer are completely dependent on us, we fall apart and we're not finding our identity in Christ and we're not asking what he has for us next. Right. Um, But also not swinging so far the other direction that it's all about us. Yeah. Well, I, I think we've all seen it done badly, right? I mean, we could probably sit here and talk about all of all the stories that we have where we've seen it done badly. And I wouldn't even say, so when my daughter started having babies of, you know, her own babies, my youngest daughter was only two. So I still, I mean, I, I felt like like the worst, my grandkids call me Mamsie, like our oldest grandson is 12 now. So I'm Mamsie, my husband's Papa. And I just felt like I'm the worst like Mamsie in the world because I still have a two-year-old. Savannah would be like, mom, do you want to babysit? No, (laughs) no, no. Do you want to come babysit for me? No, I don't want to do that. And I, I, I had to sort of wrestle, you know, wrestle with what seasons, like the seasons of life felt like they were colliding in my life. Like all of a sudden, now I'm not only a homeschool mom with a two and a half year old, I'm also a grandmother Mm -hmm. and my older children also need me. And so I think that for me, it's just coming into this season with humility and saying to my kids, I don't actually know how to juggle all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, my oldest daughter, Savannah, she's the one who has the, she has four children and she, we were laughing a couple of months ago because I love, anybody's watching me knows I love making sourdough. It's like this thing I did during the Rona to sort of keep me from going insane. <laughs> and Savannah was like, mom, I just feel so guilty. Cause I'm, you know, I, my oldest is 10. I got kids coming out my ears. I just can't keep the starter alive. And I said, I'm make bread for you. Yeah, like I'm going to start like making that. bread and just sort of bring it to your house. So yeah. when you're covered in peanut butter and jelly, I can go over to your house and say, oh, girl, I get it. I totally mm-hmm. get it. And so I think it's more about opportunity. Yeah. But what you touched on earlier is, is so important. There is a generation of mothers. And and honestly, let's let's be clear. You have absolutely earned a little bit of a break, right? Sure. If you've raised, you know, children and especially if you homeschooled them, you know, take a break, find something that you want to do. But this idea that we check out, I feel the same way about that as I do about retirement. Where is that in the Bible? We yeah. need more, we need more a Titus two women. We need yeah. more of these women who have been there and done that and can come alongside the younger moms and say, Hey, hang in there hang in yeah. there. You're in a season of sowing right now, but you're going to blink and you're going to be reaping. You know, yeah. you've been in a season of reaping. And so I actually think, uh, you know, why are we having so much trouble getting, you know, volunteers in the nursery or, you know, these older women who are like, oh no, I'm not doing that. So then the young moms who are doing it, you know, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday 
find themselves at a loss to get help. And I feel like that is a symptom of the culture that has really become very, very selfish. So we have to be able to find that balance. The break is good, right? We need, we, we totally do. I have a much different tolerance. I need more sleep now you know, in my fifties than I did in my, certainly in my thirties and even in my forties, I have to sort of be, listen to my own body now and know, okay, I'm not 20 anymore. I don't have that kind of energy. And at the same time, I think it's a communication with my older kids to say, Hey, could we schedule lunch? You know, I'd really like to meet up, meet up for lunch. Tell me how you're doing. A lot of times I'll text my kids and just say, Hey, I'm praying for you. I prayed for this specifically. And it's amazing how many times they'll, they'll text me back and go, Oh, that's exactly uh, what I needed. So I think I don't think that our kids need us less. I think they need us differently Absolutely. and we need to learn how to, how to move into that season with grace. Well, and I can speak to that from my stage, which is I have two, three-year-olds. I have 10 kids total. So I have two sets of twins and one set is right in the middle of everybody. My oldest is about to be 18. And then, so I've got um, 10 kids in 14 years oh, and my mom has been very involved in our lives because- yeah hearkening back to what you were talking about with that legacy mindset, that generational mindset. She has always thought that way. She has always thought it is my job to keep serving in whatever stage and whatever capacity. Yes. She has other things that she does. No, she's not with me at all times. No, unless it's emergency, she's not going to just drop everything at the, you know, just because I make a peep and make it sound like, oh gosh, I need your help. She would, (laughs) but that's also not my personality. I'm much more likely to have a scheduled thing for her to do and also to struggle a little bit with accepting help is my personality. So Uh, we're going to talk about this here in just a second. Yeah. But my mom, because she has been so humble about it. She's been such a good example to me of just being available for what's needed, whether mm-hmm. it's prayer, whether it's coming to our house and staying when my husband and I have a speaking trip that we need to go on, whether it's keeping some of the kids so we can take the older kids to do something that little kids wouldn't do well with. She's just incredibly servant hearted and flexible. And yeah. I think that while that comes to her naturally, it is still something that I'm like, man, I'm going to strive for that. That is such a positive example of understanding, like you were talking about that Titus two effect that we can have on women instead of kind of having this, like, well, so glad I don't have to do that anymore. You know? Right. right. And we see that, right. It goes back to the, like, and mom and I can hardly wait for school to start again. It's sort of the same, it's sort of the same mentality. Uh, Jay's mom, we've lived with Jay's mom and dad, dad's gone home to be with the Lord now, but we've lived with Jay's mom now for going on 15 years. And what a lot of people don't realize is that when I'm gone on a speaking trip or, you know, I have a book deadline I'm writing on, mom is saying to me, hey, can I run the laundry? Is there anything Mm -hmm. I can do? I'm like the acts of service girl. That's my love language. Like you love Heidi St. John, please help me with the dishes. Please help me not drown in all the things that I'm doing. And the season of me having lots of kids at home obviously is over, but because I've transitioned into it, even I would say in some ways a busier season, it's more taxing on me outside of home. Right. Um, she has really come alongside and helped. And I told her just last week, she turned 80 last week. And I said to my, uh, my mom-in-law, I said, what you have done in sacrificing for this, the little things that nobody else will see, mm. right? No one else. I mean, no one's writing articles about Jerry St. John, but they should because mm. she's amazing. You know, it, the, it's the little things that no one else sees that it's allowing me to move in the gifting and calling that God has on my life. And that is so important to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. we don't ever do any of these things for the Lord in isolation. 
Nope. So let's talk about the theme of this book called The Mouse and the Sea that you wrote with Brave Books. So it's for children, but it has such a good theme for moms, for women, for Christians in general. Tell me a little bit about this book and why you wrote it. Well, I, I first I have to say I was super excited when Brave contacted me because uh, I've been wanting to to do a children's book for a really long time, and I super love the mission that Brave Books is on. In fact, I got a subscription service to Brave for my grandkids, so I'm super excited about that. These guys are going to give Scholastic, right? You guys remember Scholastic Book mm-hmm. Company? Like we all got the little flyers when we were in school. Uh, they're injuring kids now, and I am so happy to see a company come along that has Christian values and is teaching really good things to kids uh, skyrocket into the marketplace. So really excited about Brave Books and what they're doing. When they came to me and said, hey, we'd love it if you join the family of authors, we have this idea. And they shot this this idea to me. And boy, I'll tell you, I love the outcome. It's the, the story about a little mouse and he's a super cute little character and he has the gift of help. And I think most moms can relate to that because mothers are helpers by nature. Wives are helpers by nature. And this little guy is really helpful. He looks everywhere he, he looks. He sees people that need help and he helps them. But then when it's time for him to accept help, he really struggles to do it. And I can relate to that as a mom. I think how many times I've been like the martyr mom. No one ever helps me slamming the dishwasher shut, you know, just having my meltdown in the kitchen at 11 o'clock at night because I literally cannot stand going to bed with a dirty kitchen because I don't want to wake up to a dirty kitchen, please. Uh, But if I just would have asked for help, you know, my life would have been different or what would have happened if I had called another homeschool mom, you know, when I just thought I can't do this one more time and said, Hey girl, I need, you know, can you help me with a math lesson or could you, there's something God has created us for community and we need each other. And I love, love, love what you just said. Success doesn't happen in ministry or at home or in any other sphere of influence uh, in a vacuum. Right. We need each other. And the story of the mouse in the sea really is a story for children to say it's good to ask for help. It's good to live in community. We need each other. But more than that, I think it's going to resonate with the moms who are reading it, who are like, oh, yeah, I can see myself. I can see myself in that. At the end of the book, you know, this little guy gets his he gets his act together, but it's only because his friends really come and rescue him. And I thought, you know, how many times I've been rescued? You know, my husband rescues me or my mother-in-law does or somebody from the homeschool co-op. We were created for community and ask, there's no shame in asking for help. And I think we'd have less burnout in the homeschool world if more moms would do that. I 100% agree. And I like how the book starts out. I was trying to find my, uh, I was looking down as I was listening to you, trying to find my favorite line, which is very cute. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a seahorse that needs some help. And so finally, Mr. Mouse reached helping him for us with his pot of soup. Thanks, Mr. Mouse. We used a seahorse named Silver. Sea noodle soup is my ah, favorite. Excuse me, my voice. I'm just a little horse. (laughs) I I know, right? So cute. So cute. So cute. So So cute. The thing that I noticed about the book is it's not just that Mr. Mouse won't ask for help. It's that all of his friends that he's so willing to invest in are trying to help him. Yes. Refusing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I see myself in that, right? Because we're like, oh no, I I got it. Like, really, I don't got it because I'm going home and I'm taking out all of my frustration on my husband right. or on my children. And when someone sees it in me, rather than see in, I think, and this is really important for moms and dads as they read this book to their kids, what that character trait is is pride. Mm. 
And pride is a killer. It's pride that keeps us from asking for help. It's pride that keeps me from calling up my friend and saying, I just can't do this anymore, or I'm struggling in my marriage, or I'm Mm -hmm. struggling with homeschooling or whatever it is. That, That little seed that's planted and his friends saw it, but he couldn't see it. And we need, we need other people in our lives as iron sharpens iron to hold us accountable. And that's really what his friends end up doing because they end up sort of getting together and saying, you know what, he's just, he's not, he's not figuring it out. So we're just going to go figure it out for him. And they meet him where he's at. Obviously they help him. And he finally, he finally sees that. But I wonder, like, I think so often Abby about, uh, my husband was a pastor for 20 years the amount of pastors that experience burnout, the Christians that are at the front lines of the ministry mm-hmm. and they're ministering to families, families is the front lines of the culture war right now, right? If you if you want to go where it's the hottest, go into ministry to families, you know, ministry to mothers, ministry to marriages. It's such a big mm-hmm. deal and we need each other. And I think moms need that friend on speed dial. Like I got a girl on speed dial and I can call her and she'll be like, oh, honey, you need a mocha with extra whip. I will be there in 15 minutes. What, what is it today? What it, and you have to have that person. Right. And I, I think someone who you could look at you, Abby, honestly, you can I follow your Instagram. You know, we can we can uh, look at each other's lives, maybe. And from the outside, I mean, you know, this isn't true and I know it's not true. But from the outside, for a mom who is aspiring to do what you're doing, she's maybe thinking, oh, my word, that woman's doing it all by herself. But you're not. Yeah, People think, yeah. oh, Heidi St. John's writing 10 books. She's doing it by herself. No, she's not. Right. I've got, you know, four people that work for me. And I could not do it by myself. And a husband who has a schedule that's flexible enough to where he's with me. And it's a unique situation where God has actually surrounded me with help. And I think if I wasn't surrounded with help, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. And neither would you. No, we would not. And I I don't want to be a downer, but I do want to take this to the absolute extreme. It's a children's book, but uh, that I personally have experienced in my church's experience in the last year of being unwilling to share your burden with others. And that is that the pastor of our church actually took his own life a year ago. And it was not because um, he was not supported. It was not because our congregation um, refused to, you know, lean in and listen to his suffering. It's because he held his suffering so close to his chest. And I'm sure there was a great deal of fear and pride involved in that. And, and um, just, the terror of being found out that you're not completely firm in every doubt that you have, you know? Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking and it has been such a difficult road for our church to walk. Thankfully, because we have a congregation of people that love the Lord and love his word and actually do help each other on a regular basis. They have rallied around his widow and sons that we have rallied around each other and we have not crumbled, which is not the statistic. It's only because of God, but it's in obeying his command to not forsake the gathering of believers to where two or more are gathered in my name there. I will be with them also to pray together, to pray for each other, to uphold each other, you know, and the breaking of bread, this idea of doing life together and allowing people to do life with you, even when it means they walk into your house and your laundry is all over the dining room table and you don't 
which is going to be the case for me literally right now. My laundry yep. is on yep. my tiny room table. <laughs> and, and it will get put away. I love that's where point. it should be. That's where it should be because that's where you can get the most help when it's right out. Where, I'm sorry, we can't set the table, kids, until this is taken care of. See, this is the emergency at the moment. Yeah. That's right. That's I, right. I want to say too, you know, I, I hate hearing that because we, as a woman who's been in ministry now for a very, very long time, I met my husband at Multnomah School of Bible in the eighties. And I could sit here for hours and tell you stories that are very similar that mirror that. And something that God showed me early on, cause I came from a home of just, I mean, terrible abuse. When my husband married me, I was about as broken as a 19 year old girl could be broken in every way, broken physically, emotionally, spiritually, just totally broken. And it took me a very long time to be able to share that part of my story because people saw me as Heidi St. John is a speaker. She's a, she's a pastor's wife. She's this, she's that. They didn't see my struggle with anxiety. Mm. They didn't see the anti-anxiety medications that I was on for uh, pretty darn close to 30 years. They didn't see any of those things because I kept them so close to my, to my heart. In 2017, I released a book called Becoming Mom Strong, How to Fight with mm. All That's in You yeah. for Your Family and your faith. And I went to every single one of my siblings. There are seven of us. So I went to six of them and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the truth and, and I need you to be okay with it. And I want to tell the truth is what I said. And if you're not okay with it, I won't do it because my story on some level is their story different, but still the same family. And to my mom as well. And just said, I, I, I feel like it's time, like for me to be able to say, this is where I've been. And how hard it was for me to even go to the leaders in our church and say, I'm struggling. I mean, the anxiety was so severe. It, it, it's amazing that God had me speaking during those years. Um, and the first time I ever spoke about it public, I'll never forget. It's like a core memory for me. I was in, uh, I was in on the East Coast in Maryland and I spoke for a, a whole, maybe 700 women. And I just said, I was abused by my father. And I started talking a little bit about what that looked like in my life and how it affected me as a woman and how it affected me as a mother. And I started crying and I'm up there thinking I could hear the devil, right? I could just hear him like, oh, that's it. That's the end of your speaking career. No one's going to listen to you again. Everyone thought you were this Christian woman, but here you are struggling with anxiety. And and it was almost, I couldn't, for a moment there, I was like, boy, the voice of the the enemy was almost louder than the voice of Holy Spirit who was like, tell him the truth. Because greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. And your story yeah. is going to be a story of freedom. And it was at that, when that was over, I, I, I prayed, I looked up and there was, uh, we dismissed the women and I said, hey, I'm going to be up, up here. If anybody wants to ask a question or I'll be standing up here, can sign a book, whatever. The line of women that came up to talk to me stretched around the room, went out into the hallway. And I'm telling you what, there's a freedom that comes. And I, this is going to be really important for some women hearing this. There's a freedom that comes from just telling the truth. Mm. God knows that we don't have it all together. He knows right. we need each other. He knows our brokenness. And there's something about that's more encouraging, Abby, for, for people to hear Heidi St. John struggle than for them to ever look at me and think, oh, she never had a bad day. That doesn't encourage anyone. The encouragement is found in continuing on. And when we hold those things, I shudder to think, Gabby, what would have happened to me if I never would have been vulnerable enough to say this part of my life has been very, very difficult. And in fact, when I ran for Congress, uh, the guy who was one of the guys who was running against me, they used it against me in an article in the paper. So they, an article in the paper said, you know, she shouldn't be uh, elected to Congress. She's been on uh, depression medication, anxiety medication. I mean, they made, they made me sound like a drug addict. And, um, 
And by that time, it had been so many years that I'd been set free that it didn't even bother me. I was like, you know, you do you, boo. My, my, I've been set free. Sounds like somebody's still in bondage, but it's not me. It's not Heidi St. John. And that comes from being willing to just be vulnerable and lay it out there. And I think most of the moms that we hear that reach the breaking point, largely it's because we felt like if people really saw, if they really saw who I was, I, they wouldn't love me the same. They wouldn't respect me. My children would not respect me. And I think God wants you to know that the opposite is actually true because the healing comes when the healer writes the story. And so we get to give the glory to the Lord, right? And uh, so that's why I just think, you know, I hear stories about your pastor and it just breaks my heart because I think the common denominator really is what would happen if, you know, what would happen if they really knew how, how deep the pain yeah. went yeah. and uh, that's the enemy. Yeah, it is. And sadly, because we live in a sinful world, there is some truth to the fact that there will be some who reject you and there will yep. be some who yep. use it against you. And there will be yep. some who throw that condemnation in your face. But we know as Christians, if we believe God's word, that there's therefore now no condemnation Come on. for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. There are consequences sometimes to generational sin. There are consequences to yeah. our own sin, but there is not condemnation. We stand redeemed before God. Yes. We stand washed completely clean of anything done to us and anything we ourselves have done. And so... I, I, I hear you and I agree completely, but I just want to encourage people to be attuned to those who don't reject them when they share those things yes. and welcome those people in because there will be some who don't treat you well. I think we've both experienced that. Yep. Um, <laughs> I and, feel quite sure. <laughs> and, and we'll continue to. And part of that is because we are promised that in sharing in the sufferings of Christ, we will be hated just as he was hated. Mm. And so I don't want to be a downer on what you just said, because I completely agree. There is so much freedom for those. And I think the people listening to you now are experiencing so much freedom and saying, yeah, I did. I thought, you know, she has a strong personality and she's so successful and she's done all of these things and she's had all of these kids and I'm drowning with my two and I can't seem to get the laundry done. And it's just a litany of condemnation yeah. that we can allow to pile upon ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And it's so hard sometimes to sift through like what is Holy Spirit conviction and what is just like shame yeah. from the devil. Yeah. But when we find those people, when the Lord brings those people into our path, like that lady that you have on speed dial, I've got my best friend as well and several others, yeah. my mom, my yeah. husband is my rock. Um, my older kids are starting to be such a good source of encouragement and feedback and just meaningful conversation that we don't despise those opportunities to have people share our burdens and to yeah. accept us and to keep clinging to our struggle. Because as you say, that's a form of rejection of God's mercy and goodness in our lives and clinging because of pride to something we feel like somebody else couldn't handle. The and he wants the glory. It. I mean, yeah. God wants the glory. You know, yeah. I think I often think, you know, what will my homecoming look like? You know, when I get, when mm -hmm. I finally get to see the one who made me and I sort of picture myself like sliding into heaven with my hair on fire and my <laughs> knees are scraped up and like, I can just see the Lord kind of, you know, lifting it, lift, putting his hand down and going, you made it. You look pretty bad, but you made it, you know, you're here. And I just, you know, I want to just, I think just, I think so much of what God's done in my life and it's, it's made me a very grateful person. 
you know, because I realized that, but for his healing in my life, and it's not to say that I have a perfect life now by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I think, and I want every homeschool mom to do this too. Like you get to the end of your homeschool journey and God doesn't want you to go, well, I was amazing. I did an amazing job. I wouldn't have been so amazing except for I found sunlight or I found brave books or I found whatever it is. You know, no, I think he wants us to get, get to the end of our homeschool journey, uh, fall on our faces, lift our hands to the heavens and say, thank you, Jesus. That was all you. It was Amen. all you, but Amen. for your grace, but for your mercy, but for your new morning mercy that we need every single day. You know, I become the butt of a lot of jokes at Thanksgiving, you know, over my parenting mistakes now for the years. Right. You know, but just these conversations that have, and I realize now because I have the gift of hindsight with my older kids being in their thirties, that bad days don't make bad moms. And in a lot of ways, the struggles that we have become the things that knit the family together and that remind us, oh, hey, we did that together. We lived through that. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for mercy. You know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. No. And I think that um, someone just messaged me something the other day because there was a mom that was asking a question. I do a Q&A every week called What Do You Want to Know Wednesday? And there was a mom that was asking a question about how in the world she's supposed to keep her cool when she's triggered by her toddler. And so the I just basically said, well, the problem is he's a toddler and you're an adult with a fully formed brain. So you kind of <laughs> have to preach to yourself. Suck it up. I, I've got the fully formed brain. You, you might need to text a friend. You might need to do a lot of praying very fast in that moment. You might need to physically bite your tongue. Yep. You need to go outside and get some fresh air. Um, Take a walk but, around your house. My yeah, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Have some things kind of in your pocket that you know that you can do that give you a moment to recoup. But at the end of the day, only one of you has a fully developed brain and can be that's like a locket you should start selling those like you could put it in a locket they wear around your neck and then when you when you just think i can't do this one second you open it up i have a fully formed brain yes that's me i am the girl i am the this is a book too oh abby it's a book too the girl with the fully formed brain we could write it together absolutely i would love it so one reader came to me and said i completely agree but on those times when we forget that before we blow up on our children which we've all been there Yep. We all been there. I think that it is really such a great teaching moment to have an opportunity to apologize to our children and to ask for forgiveness and to model Mm -hmm. that humility. And Mm I said, 100%. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine how daunting it would be as a child to grow up with a fully perfect mom who has never sinned against you, has never done anything wrong and you're human and you mess up all the time. Thankfully, this will not be our problem in life, Abby. I don't think so. But I I do hear from people whose moms seemed that way in many ways and they do not feel like they can compare and they do not feel like they can confide. I have such a great story. Do I have time to tell a little story? Yeah, go, go. Well, you're, you're talking about, you know, just this lack of a perfect mom and how God uses it. And I'm, and I'm, you know, raising seven kids for, you know, 30 some odd years. I have lots of stories like that. But the one that stands out in my mind the most was when I think our oldest daughter was probably 14 or 15. And I had had it in my head. So now I have six children and my oldest is 14. And I'd had it in my head that I was going to be, you know, this mom who had all the kids at my house all the time, like youth group kids would want to come over and I was going to be, you know, I was a party in a box. Everybody wants to be at Jay and Heidi's house. And I'd had my sixth baby. She's maybe a week and a half old. And Savannah had some sort of an activity. Like all the homeschool kids came over to watch, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, some eight-hour extravaganza. 
And I was like, absolutely. Yes, do it. But I told the kids, could you guys please just keep it down? Because, you know, the two-year-old's in bed and the six-year-old has to go down at 7.30. And hey, I haven't had sleep for, I think, seven and a half years. And so <laughs> when the newborn finally sleeps, I really just want her to sleep. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no problem, Mrs. St. John. Absolutely. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go in my bedroom now. Okay, well, good night, everybody. Good night, good night. So I go back to my room and I hear them in my kitchen and they're making cookies and they're getting ready to pop popcorn. And they're going to watch the movie and they're getting louder and louder. And I'm just in my bedroom, just tensing up because I just know you're going to wake up yeah. the newborn. I know it. And so I go out to the kitchen. I say, hey, 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 guys, me, you know, just want to remind you. Uh, baby's asleep. So I've just, just keep it. Oh, we're sorry, Mrs. St. John. Absolutely. I said, no problem. No problem at all. Go back to my room. By the fourth time oh, of me going out to the kitchen, it was like a scene from The Exorcist, man. I walk out into the kitchen. <laughs> my head is like spinning counterclockwise on my neck. And I was like, shut up. Shut up. I've asked you to be, I'm screaming shut up to kids that I, you know, I'm the leader of the homeschool co-op <laughs> and I'm losing my ever loving mind on these kids. <laughs> And I was like, if you take, you know, you wake her, you take her. It's the rule now. And but oh all the kids God. were like, oh my gosh, we've never seen this side of your mom. Looking at my two oldest daughters, oh, who at the at the at that moment in time were like, this is this will be the day we die. We're gonna die yeah. from this embarrassment yeah. of our mother. So they all go downstairs, right? They go to the farthest corner of our little split level house, this little basement, and I don't hear anything. The only thing I hear is that they left the mixer on. I terrified him so bad. So the mixer's like, woo, 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 woo. And I, I think my work here is done. So I turn off the mixer. I go back to my bedroom. I crawl into bed and the baby's just starting to wake up, right? Because of course the baby's going to wake up. And my husband goes, he leans over and he goes, how'd that go for you? I was like, you shut up too. Everyone just <laughs> shut up. And I sit there and I, and the Lord is just like, how did that go for you? Like, I just know, I know that I have like messed up. I've messed up royally. So finally I put my bathrobe on. I put my, my fuzzy bunny slippers back on. I go all the way back to the farthest corner of the basement of the house. I knock on the kids' door and I'm like, Hey, I'm back. You know, can I come in? My daughter opens the door. All of her little friends are like cowering in the corner. They're all talking about the nervous breakdown that Savannah's mom just had in front of them. And I just felt like the Lord said, if you can, if you can do that in front of their friends, you can apologize in front of them too. Mm, and so I said to Savannah and Sierra, I go, you guys, I'm so sorry. I realize this is probably the worst day of your life with me as your mother. I had it in my head that I'd be a really great mom and I would love to do parties all the time. And I never anticipated that I would be tired. I never anticipated <laughs> that I, I would have a breaking point and apparently I do. And it's not your fault. And please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Hmm. And they were like, mom, it's okay. We forgive you. And I tell the kids, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I look over in the corner and this, this young, this young girl, she's probably 16 at the time, oldest of seven, her care parents, her homeschool family, parents are in the middle of a divorce. She looks up at me and she's just bawling. And I think, I'm thinking to myself, I am the worst person on the face of the earth. And I said, I walked over to her. I said, sweetheart, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I lost my temper. And she goes, oh, she goes, Mrs. St. John, you don't understand. She just sobbing. I said, what is it? She said, I would give anything to hear my mom apologize just mm. one time, mm. just one yeah. time. Yeah. She said, thank you for doing that. Threw her arms around me. And now she's crying. I'm crying. And I'm realizing that even though in that moment, I was like the biggest screw up on the face of the earth. God redeemed it. And Absolutely. he didn't, he didn't wait a week either. He redeemed it right then. It took me a little bit of humility, right? To be able to go down and do it. But yeah. I want moms to hear that. Like bad days don't make bad moms, right? And, and it's okay to say, man, this thing is hard. And sometimes it's harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. 
you know, or maybe you don't want to teach your kids math anymore. Maybe you just, maybe you reach the point like I did. We're like, you know what? You can learn it yourself. One of these days you'll have a checkbook and you'll be like, why is nothing working? And I'll be like, because you didn't do your math lessons. That's why, (laughs) that's why nothing is working. Right. And, and to realize that God's in those moments and there's something it, these are holy moments, like the moments that, that you look back on as a woman who is my age to look back on and go, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're with me in those moments. Thank you for, you know, thank you for the scripts. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for the mercy because my kids are looking back now and hopefully what they will remember about me as their mother wasn't this perfect mom who had it all together, but it was somebody who loved them enough to come back and say, man, I'm sorry. Mm. I'm really sorry. I'm not even going to qualify what just happened. I'm just going to say, please forgive me. And those things, they become the foundation for relationships that you have with your kids into their 20s and 30s. And there's there's a blessing in it. There's a blessing in the mistake. And I think if if we could get that, you know, dug down deep in our hearts, it brings freedom with it. It's just a powerful thing. That is so, so good. We're going to wrap up on that note because that is so powerful. And it is, I think, what we need to leave our listeners with today is the hope that um, one, you don't have to do it all alone. Two, even when you screw up, it doesn't mean that that defines you or that that's how the Lord looks at you as a screw up. And that we always have the opportunity because we have a savior who forgives us Mm. to ask for forgiveness and to forgive others. And Mm. I think those reminders can be something that can carry us definitely through the rest of this week, but probably a little farther than that. Heidi, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell our readers um, or listeners, I should say, where they can find you, what they can hope to expect from you? We know, we know at this point, but kind of the easiest way to find you. Well, I mean, I'm lit up like a Christmas tree on the internet. So uh, they can find me at HeidiStJohn.com. If you're interested in studying the Bible with me, I do a women's Bible study. Right now we're going through uh, 10 extraordinary women in the Bible. And next month we're going to be going through some bad girls in the Bible, some villains, and see what we can learn from them. But that that community is over at FaithThatSpeaks.com. And I really hope people will check out BraveBooks.com and subscribe to the Freedom Island Book Club. And when they do that, they're going to get, uh, I think it's, I think actually, you know what? Um, there's a brand new book coming out. Uh, it's Riley's book, I think, just came out. Riley Gaines's book just came out. Mm-hmm. So that'll come in this month's uh, subscription box, but my book will be in there too. Phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity. So people can check that out at bravebooks.com and uh, they can find my podcast at uh, Off the Bench at iTunes, at Spotify, everywhere. It's uh, It's out there. Yeah. It's out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being here. This was a pleasure. Oh, Abby, let's do it again. Girl, Absolutely. I loved it. I knew we'd be friends for life. We will be. Have a great day. You too. If you enjoy the MS for Mama podcast, I would be so honored if you would subscribe and follow along, maybe share with friends or even leave a review. And if you want more content on motherhood and biblical responses to cultural issues, be sure to follow along on Instagram at m.is.for.mama.